إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد so today then, it is going to begin on the section regarding La ilaha illallah in talking about some of the virtues of La ilaha illallah specifically. Because last time we spoke about the virtues of all of that dhikr, tasbih and tahleel and takbir, but today, specifically going on to La ilaha illallah. So it says here, كان الحديث فيما سبق حول ذكر جملة من النصوص النبوية الدالة على فضل الكلمات الأربع. Previously, we were talking about a collection of prophetic texts which indicated the virtues of the four statements, Subhanallah, Walhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Wallahu akbar. وَفِيمَا يَلِي سَيَكُونُ الْحَدِيثُ فِي ذِكْرِ فَضَائِلِ كَلِمَةِ التَّوْحِيدِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ And now we are going to be discussing the virtues of La ilaha illallah specifically. التي هي أفضل هؤلاء الكلمات الأربع because لا إله إلا الله that is the most virtuous of those four statements الله أكبر سبحان الله الحمد لله لا إله إلا الله that is the most virtuous of those four statements and the greatest of those four statements. فَلِأَجْلِ هَذِهِ الْكَلِمَةِ خُلِقَةِ الْخَلِيقَةِ For this statement, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ The statement of Tawheed, the creation was created. Creation was created to actualize and to implement La ilaha illallah. Wa ursilatil rusul. And the messengers were sent for that purpose. They were sent for the purpose of establishing and clarifying and calling the people to La ilaha illallah. Wa unzilatil kutub. And the books, the revelation. They were all sent for that purpose. La ilaha illallah. Wabiha iftaraqa nasu ila mu'minina wa kuffar. Wasu'ada ahlil jannati wa ashqiya'i ahlil nar. And based upon that, upon this tawheed of la ilaha illallah, the people are separated. The believers are separated from the disbelievers. And those who will be in bliss from the people of paradise. And those who will be in misery from the people of hellfire. فَهِيَ الْعُرْوَةُ الْوُثْقَى وَهِيَ كَلِمَةُ التَّقْوَى وَهِيَ أَعْظَمُ أَرْكَانِ الدِّينِ وَأَهَمْ شُعَبِ الْإِيمَانِ So this is the firm handhold. This is the key and the core. La ilaha illallah. And it is the greatest of the pillars of the religion and the most important of the branches of Iman. وَهِيَ سَبِيلُ الْفَوْزِ بِالْجَنَّةِ وَالنَّجَاتِ مِنَ النَّارِ And it is the path to success with paradise and salvation from the fire. وَهِيَ كَلِمَةُ الشَّهَادَةِ 
And it is the statement for your shahada when you say La ilaha illallah wa miftahu daris sa'adah and it is the key to the abode of happiness wa asl ad-deen and it is the origin of the religion the foundation of the religion wa asasihi wa asasuhu wa ra'su amrihi and it is the principle, the foundation of the religion and the core of the religion. وَفَضَائِلُ هَذِهِ الْكَلِمَةِ وَمَوْقِعُهَا And the virtues of this word, of this word وَمَوْقِعُهَا مِنَ الدِّينِ فَوْقَ مَا يَصِفُهُ الْوَاصِفُونَ And its position in the religion is more than what anyone can describe and what anyone knows. Meaning the virtue and the level of لا إله إلا الله is a tremendous and great virtue and status for that testimony. As Allah mentioned in the Quran, شَهِدَ اللَّهُ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ وَأُلُّ الْعِلْمِ قَائِمًا بِالْقِسْطِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala testifies. That he alone is the one deserving of worship in truth. That there is no other deity besides him. Allah testifies to that. And the angels testify to that. That he is the one deserving of worship alone. And the people of knowledge testify to that. All of these testimonies upon the truth of La ilaha illallah. So this highlights that it is indeed a great statement. And it is of great position and rank in this religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned many ayat in the Qur'an telling us about the importance of La ilaha illallah. For example, Allah told us that all of the prophets and messengers were sent Upon this message, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا نُوحِي إِلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَاعْبُدُونَ Allah said, and we did not send anyone before you from the messengers except that we reveal to them that there is none deserving of worship in truth except I, so worship me. All of them were sent with that revelation of La ilaha illallah. And Allah said, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنِعْبُدُ اللَّهَ وَاشْتَنِبُ الطَّاهُوتِ That we sent to every nation a messenger preaching to them, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and stay away from the false deities. And Allah mentioned in many other ayat, this same meaning, يُنَزِّلُ الْمَلَائِكَةَ بِالرُّوحِ مِنْ أَمْرِهِ عَلَى مَنْ يَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ أَنْ أَنْذِرُوا أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَاتَّقُونَ أَنْ أَنْذِرُوا Warn them. Make it clear and warn them that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except I, so have taqwa of me, fattaqoon, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sufyan ibn Uyayna, one of the salaf, he said, مَا أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ عَبْدٍ مِنَ الْعِبَادِ نِعْمَةً أَعْظَمُ مِنْ أَنْ عَرَّفَهُمْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not sent a blessing upon his servants greater than teaching them the meaning of la ilaha illallah. Allah has not sent a blessing upon his servants greater than la ilaha illallah and teaching them la ilaha illallah. That there is none 
deserving of worship in truth except he. And there are many other examples the Shaykh mentions here, highlighting the virtues of La ilaha illallah, several different types of examples. One of them is regarding the life of the Barzakh. That in the life of the Barzakh, this Tawheed is one of the means of salvation for that person. For example, when Allah says, يُثَبِّتُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِالْقَوْلِ الثَّابِتِ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes firm, makes them firm, the believers, with an upright and established statement. In this worldly life and in the afterlife. What is that statement that Allah bestows upon the servants? That is a statement of strength and upright and established for them in this world and in the afterlife. It is of course Tawheed. La ilaha illallah. Which is the means of being upright in this world and also the means of salvation for a person in the barzakh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make the believers firm and strong upon tawheed when they are in the life of the grave and when they are being given the questions by the angels. In another ayah, Allah mentioned, لَا يَمْلِكُونَ شَفَاعَةَ إِلَّا مَنِ اتَّخَذَ عِنْدَ الرَّحْمَانِ عَهْدًا That they do not have any control over the intercession, except those, they are the ones given the intercession, the ones who have that tawheed, that shahada of tawheed and the oneness of Allah. Meaning shafa'a is only given to those people who are upon tawheed. Shafa'a. Intercession is given to those who are upon Tawheed. Also as an example, مِنْ فَضَائِلِهَا أَنَّهَا الْكَلِمَةُ الْبَاقِيَةُ أَلَّتِي جَعَلَهَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ الْخَلِيلُ عَلَيْهِ سَلَامُ فِي عَقِبِهِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this the everlasting statement. This is the everlasting statement, the statement that continues and that is mentioned in the dua of Ibrahim alayhi salam and it was mentioned for him وَجَعَلَهَا كَلِمَةً بَاقِيَةً فِي عَقِبِهِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ That it was made an everlasting statement in his progeny that perhaps they will return. And of course, La ilaha illallah, it is the speech of taqwa. And it is mentioned by Amr ibn Maymun, مَا تَكَلَّمَ النَّاسُ بِشَيْءٍ أَفْضَلْ مِنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ The people have not spoken with anything more virtuous than La ilaha إِلَّا اللَّهِ Sa'ad ibn Iyad mentioned, أَتَدْرِ مَا هِيَا يَا أَبَا عَبْدِ اللَّهِ do you know what that is? Do you know what La ilaha illallah is? Hiya wallahi kalimatu taqwa. It is the statement of taqwa. And taqwa we know it is that you obey the commandments of Allah, hoping for the reward from Allah, and you stay away from the prohibitions, fearing the punishment of Allah. It is the statement of taqwa. La ilaha illallah. أَلْزَمَهَا اللَّهُ أَصْحَابَ مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَكَانُوا أَحَقُّ بِهَا وَأَهْلَهَا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ That is the statement that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed upon the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they were more deserving of it they were more deserving of it كَانُوا أَحَقُّ بِهَا وَأَهْلَهَا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ 
They were more deserving of that. They were the most understanding of that, of the statement of La ilaha illallah. There is also an example given regarding Tawheed and regarding La ilaha illallah and about how that will be the salvation of the people on Yawmul Qiyamah. We see all these examples now of the virtues of La ilaha illallah. There is the famous narration regarding how this statement saves the people on the Day of Judgment. And that is the famous hadith about the man who will come with the 99 scrolls of the evil deeds. Every scroll when you roll it out as far as the eyesight can see, full of evil deeds. But then it will be said to him, هَلْ عِنْدَكَ حَسَنًا Do you have any good deeds? He will say, لَا يَا رَبِّي No, my Lord. But then it will be said, بَلْ عِنْدَنَا لَكَ حَسَنًا We do have a good deed for you. And what is that good deed? A parchment will be brought forth where he had made the testimony of La ilaha illallah. And it will outweigh all of those evil deeds that he had done. Those are just some of the examples. There is a hadith mentioned here, some hadith at the end as well. And one of those, a hadith, for example, of Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu qal, قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ عَلِّمْنِي عَمَلًا يُقَرِّبُنِي مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ وَيَبَاعِدُنِي مِنَ النَّارِ That, O Messenger, teach me something that will bring me closer to paradise and it will take me away from the hellfire. فَقَالْ إِذَا عَمِلْتَ سَيِّئَةً فَعْمَلْ حَسَنَةً فَإِنَّهَا عَشْرُ أَمْثَالِهَا The Prophet said to him, if you do something evil, then do something good. If you do something evil, then make up for that by doing something good. Because that goodness is multiplied by ten in reward. قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ He says, I said, O Messenger of Allah, أَفَمِنَ الْحَسَنَاتِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Is لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ from the good deeds? Is that considered one of the good deeds? The Prophet said, نَعَمْ هِيَ أَحْسَنُ الْحَسَنَاتِ Yes, it is the best of the good deeds. Hiya ahsanul hasanat. It is the best of the good deeds. And then, the Shaykh mentions, after highlighting some of those <coughs> virtues of La ilaha illallah and some of the meanings of La ilaha illallah, he also then highlights that this is one of the greatest of the good deeds, to understand and know, لا إله إلا الله. أنها أفضل الأعمال وأكثرها تضعيفا. It is one of the best of the actions, and one of the actions that multiplies the most. أكثرها تضعيفا. It multiplies the most. وتعدل عتق رقاب. And it is equivalent to freeing slaves. وَتَكُونُ لِقَائِلِهَا حِرْزًا مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ And the person who says it will have a protection from the shaitan against the shaitan. That is as it is mentioned in the hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim of Abu Huraira رضي الله عنه where the Prophet said مَنْ قَالَ لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير في يوم مئة مرة كانت له عدل عشر رقاب وكتب له مئة حسنة ومحي عنه مئة سيئة ولم يأتي أحد بأفضل مما جاء به إلا أحد عمل أكثر من ذلك إن ذس حديث أبو هريرة the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever says La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu lahu al-mulku wa lahu al-hamdu wa ala kulishin qadir that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah He alone without partners to all, uh, all of the dominion and kingdom belongs to Him and all of the praise is for Him and He is all capable upon everything 
Whoever says that a hundred times in the day, then it will be like equivalent to freeing ten slaves. And a hundred good deeds will be written for him, and a hundred evil deeds will be wiped away from him. And nobody can do any better than that. No one will come with anything better than that, except for someone who does more actions on top of that. So this highlights the virtue of the statement of La ilaha illallah, the equivalent of freeing ten slaves, a hundred deeds, good deeds written for the person, a hundred bad deeds wiped away from the person. وَفِيهِمَا أَيْضًا عَنْ أَبِي أَيُّوبٍ الْأَنصَارِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم قال مَنْ قَالَهَا عَشْرَ مَرَّاتٍ كَانَ كَمَنْ أَعْتَقَ أَرْبَعَةَ أَنفُسٍ مِنْ وَلَدِ إِسْمَعِيلٍ In another hadith in Al-Bukhari al-Muslim, the Prophet وسلم said, Whoever says it ten times, then it will be as though he has freed four slaves. Another hadith talking about the great level of the reward for the one who says La ilaha illallah. In another hadith, Annaha afdalu ma nabiyun. It is the best of what the prophets said. Lima thabata fil hadith anil nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa It is established in a hadith that the prophet said. أَفْضَلُ مَا قُلْتُ أَنَا وَالنَّبِيُّونَ عَشِيَّةَ عَرَفَةً The Prophet said, the best of what I have said, and the Prophets have said, on the evening of Arafah, meaning when you do Hajj, when Hajj is done on the night of Arafah, or on the uh, evening of Arafah, the best of what we have said, I and the other Prophets is, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ وَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ In another version, خَيْرُ الدُّعَاءِ دُعَاءُ يَوْمِ عَرَفَةِ The best dua is the dua of the day of Arafah. وَخَيْرُ مَا قُلْتُهُ أَنَا وَالنَّبِيُّونَ مِنْ قَبْلِ And the best of what I and the prophets have said before me is لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ وَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ وَهُوَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ So the Prophet ﷺ is affirming this is the best of the du'as and that he and the prophets prior to him recited this du'a on the day of Arafah. It is from the best of the statements, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ There is no deity worthy of worship and truth except he. وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ he alone without any partners. Lahul mulku, to him belongs all the dominion, all the kingdom. Walahul hamdu, and all the praise is to him. Wahua ala kulli shayin qadir, and he is all capable upon everything. And then it mentions the hadith about the virtues of La ilaha illallah and the hadith about the man who comes with the 99 scrolls of evil deeds and how La ilaha illallah will outweigh all of that. In another narration it mentions أَنَّهَا لَوْ وُزِنَتْ بِالسَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ رَجَّحَتْ بِهِنَّ كَمَا فِي الْمُسْنَدِ عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ عَمْرِ That if it was weighed up La ilaha illallah, with the heavens and the earth on the other side, it would be heavier than them. In the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr, the Prophet ﷺ said, أَنَّ نُوحًا قَالَ لِبْنِهِ عِنْدَ مَوْتِهِ That Nuh said to his son at the time of death, أَمُرُكَ بِلَا إِلَاهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ That I... Order you to say La ilaha illallah to be upon La ilaha illallah. Fa inna samawati sabah. 
والأراضين السبع لو وضعت في كفة ووضعت لا إله إلا الله في كفة رجحت بهن لا إله إلا الله ولو أن السماوات السبع في حلقة مبهمة لقصمتهن لا لقصمتهن لا إله إلا الله In this it mentions that Nuh said to his son at the time of death that I command you with la ilaha illallah. I command you with la ilaha illallah. For indeed if the seven heavens and the seven earths were put on one side of the weighing scale and la ilaha illallah was put on the other side of the scale then la ilaha illallah would outweigh all of the affairs and matters from the heavens and the earth combined. La ilaha illallah would outweigh all of them combined. So these are examples showing us the great virtues of la ilaha illallah. But there are conditions to la ilaha illallah that we must understand. Because it isn't just to say la ilaha illallah and we do not understand the reality of the meanings of la ilaha illallah and what is required of us in relation to la ilaha illallah. So what is the reality of it? It is not just a statement that you make upon the tongue. Rather, it has a reality to it, we must understand. And there is a famous statement from Wahab ibn Munabbah. Somebody asked him, أَلَيْسَ مِفْتَاحُ الْجَنَّةِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Somebody said to him, Is the key to paradise not La ilaha illallah? Is the key to paradise not La ilaha illallah? Of course the answer is yes. He tells him, Bala, of course. Bala, he said, of course. Of course, La ilaha illallah is the key to paradise. But then he tells him, وَلَكِنْ لَيْسَ مِنْ مِفْتَاحٍ إِلَّا وَلَهُ أَسْنَانٍ That there is not a key there is no key except that it has teeth, the grooves, the shapes on it, to open the locks. You can't just have a blunt piece of metal that won't open anything. A key needs the grooves on it, needs the teeth on it, the shapes on it to fit the lock. He said, yes, la ilaha illallah is the key to paradise. But there's no such thing as a key without the teeth on it, without the grooves on it. So then he tells him, فَإِنْ أَتَيْتَ بِمِفْتَاحٍ لَهُ أَسْنَانٍ فُتِحَلَكَ So if you come on the day of judgment with a key that has teeth on it, then it will be opened up for you. The gates of paradise will be opened up for you. You will enter paradise. But, إِلَّا وَإِلَّا لَمْ تُفْتَحْ But if you come with blunt, something blunt, with no teeth to it, no grooves to it, then that isn't a key and it will not open up anything for you on the Day of Judgment. So, La ilaha illallah isn't just a blunt statement. It is something with keys, with teeth and grooves, meaning it is something with conditions to it. La ilaha illallah is something with conditions to it, realities to it that we must understand. Otherwise, it just becomes a blunt statement and a blunt statement with no meaning, no understanding, no reality behind it. Then it does not do anything. Just like a blunt key does not open up the gates of paradise for you, does not open up entry to paradise for you, then la ilaha illallah without the realities and the meanings will not be of the benefit to you. So what are these teeth in the case of La ilaha illallah? There are seven conditions to La ilaha illallah. Seven points. We'll list out those points now. 
and then we'll go through them in detail properly afterwards. The first is Al-Ilm, knowledge, bima'naha nafyan wa ithbatan al-munafi lil-jahl. That you must have knowledge of its meaning in terms of the affirmation and the negation, such that you remove any ignorance you have about it. So you cannot be upon ignorance regarding the meaning of La ilaha illallah. The first condition to get those teeth into the key, you have to have knowledge of the meanings of La ilaha illallah. Understand what the affirmation and the negation within it is to remove your ignorance regarding La ilaha illallah. The second, Al Yaqeen. You must have absolute, absolute certainty in belief regarding La ilaha illallah. Cannot have any doubts about it, maybe, maybe, Tawheed. Cannot have any doubts. It must be upon absolute, absolute solidified certainty in belief regarding La ilaha illallah. Remove any doubts and be upon absolute certainty. The third, Al-Ikhlas, sincerity. That you must have sincerity in your application and implementation of Tawheed, of La ilaha illallah. It cannot be upon any form of showing off. It cannot be for any form of other worldly gains and benefits. It must be sincere and pure to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fourth, As-Sidq al-Munafi lil-Kathib. That you must be truthful in your implementation of La ilaha illallah. You must be truthful in your application of La ilaha illallah and not be or negate and reject any type of kathib, lie or distortion regarding it. Fifth, Al-Mahabbah Al-Munafiyah Lil-Bughdi Wal-Kurh That you have love for Tawheed, love for La ilaha illallah and reject and remove any form of hatred or disliking you have to it, that you are upon absolute love for this Tawheed and implementation of it. The sixth, Al-Inqiyadu Al-Munafili Tark, that you submit to La ilaha illallah, you are subservient to this Tawheed of Allah. You submit to the requirements of La ilaha illallah, of singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, abandoning all other deities beside Him, worshipping Allah alone. You submit, you are subservient to this Tawheed. And seventh, Al-Qabul Al-Munafi Lirrat. Acceptance of it. You accept all of that Tawheed there. And you do not have any form of rejection of any of it. You have absolute acceptance of all of that Tawheed. And no form of rejection in any part of it. Some of the scholars have mentioned, you can try to remember that as ilmun, yaqeenun, ikhlasun, وَصِدْقُوكَ مَعْ مَحَبَّةٍ وَانْقِيَادٍ وَالْقَبُولُ لَهَا That's a line in Arabic for those who are able to memorize it. Ilm, knowledge, yaqeen, certainty, ikhlas, sincerity, sidq, your truthfulness, mahabba, your love, inqiyad, your submission, al-qabool, your absolute acceptance of it all, with no rejection. 
Those are what are known as the conditions of La ilaha illallah. They are the conditions, they are the conditions to create the teeth to the key. Without understanding and practicing this, and these conditions of La ilaha illallah, then you have a blunt key. Everybody can say La ilaha illallah, but how many people truly understand the reality of it and what you're supposed to be doing with regards to La ilaha illallah. So those seven parts, they are known as the conditions of La ilaha illallah. And inshallah ta'ala, we'll go through all of those conditions, the seven full conditions, with evidences for each of them, a brief explanation of each of them, the seven conditions breaking down, and explaining the reality of La ilaha illallah. The first one of course is knowledge. And generally before we get into that first one, with knowledge you need to understand just a brief background before we start that next time, is that with La ilaha illallah, there is an affirmation and a negation. And that is how Tawheed works. Tawheed is based upon affirming and negating. So with La ilaha illallah, there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. There is no deity worthy of worship in truth, that is a negation. You are negating all the false deities, none of them are deserving of worship in truth in any way, shape or form. Illallah, you are affirming, affirming the worship to Allah alone, establishing the worship to Allah alone. So you have a negation and you have an affirmation. With those two together, Tawheed is established. If you only have one of the two, Tawheed is not established. If you have affirmation that Allah has the right to be worshipped, but you don't negate that others do not have the right to be worshipped, then you're always leaving the door open to others maybe having the right to be worshipped. So affirmation alone doesn't give you tawheed. If you do the negation and say none has the right to be worshipped, you've negated all these deities, but then where is your affirmation that Allah does have the right to be worshipped? That alone then the negation wouldn't be tawheed. It requires that you negate that worship from all others besides Allah, but then affirm it to Allah alone. And those two together then give you tawheed. And that is how all of the ayat of the Qur'an have been mentioned. When Allah said, وَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do not associate partners with Him. You have affirmation and negation. Worship Allah, do not associate partners. When Allah said, we sent all of the prophets and messengers to teach their people, worship Allah alone and stay away from the false deities. Affirmation, negation. When the prophet said to their people, Ya qawmi ibudullah, ma lakum min ilahin ghayru. O people, worship Allah. You do not have any other deity to worship besides Him. All of these examples, affirmation, negation. In the hadith of Mu'ad, أَتَدْرِ مَا حَقُّ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْعِبَادِ وَمَا حَقُّ الْعِبَادِ عَلَى اللَّهِ And then the Prophet tells him, حَقُّ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْعِبَادِ أَنْ يَعْبُدُوهُ وَلَا يُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا The right of Allah upon His servants is that they worship Him and they do not associate any partners alongside Him. Affirmation and negation. Both of those are needed. Affirmation and negation to have that Tawheed. And that is the basis of how Tawheed works. And that is what this first condition is going to speak about regarding knowledge. Having knowledge and understanding of what La ilaha illallah means. But all seven conditions, inshallah, we'll do them together as one session next time. 
Any questions up to there so far then? In that hadith, uh, there's a hadith where Mu'adh ibn Jabal was sitting on a donkey behind the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was sitting on a donkey and the messenger was sitting on the same donkey in front. He was behind the messenger. Kuntu radif al-nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says. I was riding behind the messenger on that donkey. And the Prophet ﷺ says to him, Ya Mu'av, O Mu'av, Atadri ma haqqullahi ala al-ibad, wa ma haqqul ibadi ala Allah. Do you know what the right of Allah is upon his servants, and what the right of the servants is upon Allah? Mu'av ibn Jabal says to the Prophet, Allah wa rasuluhu a'lam, Allah and his messenger know best. When he was alive, they used to say to him, Allah and his messenger knows best, because the revelation from Allah used to come to the messenger. After the messenger has died, we just say, Allahu A'lam. Because now the messenger has passed away, there's no more new revelation. So you don't need to say, wa rasuluhu A'lam, just Allahu A'lam now. And the, what the messenger knew that is in the sunnah there, or the hadith now. So at that time, they would say, Allahu wa rasuluhu A'lam. That's what he says to the Prophet. So then the Prophet ﷺ tells him, Haqqullahi ala al-ibad, an ya'abuduhu wa la yushriku bihi shay'a. The right of Allah upon His servants is that they worship Him alone and do not associate any partners to Him. وَحَقُّ الْعِبَادِ عَلَى اللَّهِ And the right of the servants upon Allah, not that we have rights, but a blessing that Allah has given us, a virtue Allah has given us. أَلَّا يُعَذِّبَ مَنْ لَا يُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا That Allah will not punish the one who does not commit shirk alongside Him. So then Mu'adh ibn Jabal says to the Prophet ﷺ, Shall I not go and give this glad tidings to the people that Allah will not punish the one who does not commit shirk and the virtue of tawheed? Should I not go and give this glad tidings to the people? The Prophet ﷺ said to him, لا تبشرهم فيتكلوا. Do not give them this glad tidings because they may end up relying on it. They may end up relying on that. If you tell them, don't commit shirk and Allah will not punish you. Then they may end up relying upon that, i.e. they may drop down in their other good deeds and how much striving they are doing, thinking as long as you don't commit shirk, they may drop down and their level and their effort and things may become lower because they become dependent on this promise. So the Prophet said, don't tell them. But if the Prophet told Mu'adh ibn Jabal, don't tell, him, don't tell them, and Mu'adh ibn Jabal was the only one with the Prophet at that time on the donkey when this incident happened, no other companion heard this, then how did we ever find out about this hadith? How did we ever find out about this hadith? If the Prophet told Mu'adh ibn Jabal, don't give them the glad tidings on this. But why? The Prophet told him don't? Well, it can't have been after the Prophet passed away. No new narrations came after he passed away. That narration must have existed when the Prophet was yeah, alive. Yeah. So, so basically because he passed away and then and the Sahaba got worried that he holds that knowledge and he wants to spread it, so he told the people. So. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. When Mu'adh ibn Jabal was... Uh, Fear death was occurring or would occur. He of course died in the, the plague. He died in the plague. And uh, so prior to dying, he feared that if he didn't narrate that narration and he died, he would die with that narration and nobody would ever know about it. And this was a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. This was a hadith from the Prophet ﷺ. So he kept it concealed. But then when he realized, now if death comes to me and I don't tell anyone, then this knowledge 
It's like I've concealed it and I'm going to die with it and nobody will ever then know of it. So he didn't want to die with that knowledge having kept it and never having informed anyone of this hadith of the messenger. So then he informed them uh, due to that reason. So that it wouldn't be from the concealed knowledge that he dies with and never uh, gets known to the people. Hmm. Anybody else? So, if an individual has, say, six of the conditions of La ilaha illallah, mm. one is missing, does that negate the whole... No, because these conditions, it does not necessitate that you know their titles. If I was to say to somebody now, tell me what the seven conditions were. Maybe somebody can't remember, or we just said them now, but maybe you can't remember what they were. Does that mean your La ilaha illallah is invalidated now? It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you have to know the names of the seven conditions. Because a person can be implementing those things without knowing the categorizations. So you have absolute submission to La ilaha illallah, of course. Tawheed, you know this is the revelation from Allah, you absolutely submit to it. Uh, you know that this is the absolute truth. You have no doubts in this. You have the understanding of affirmation. You have all the seven conditions. But if I was to say to you, list them, you won't be able to list them maybe. A person might not be able to list them out. Okay, number one was this, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But in reality, if I start asking you questions, do you believe this and do you understand about submission? Do you understand about truthfulness? If I was to mention those seven conditions in conversation, you would be in agreement with all of them. So that means you are implementing them all, you just don't know the list of them memorized. If I talk to you and converse with you about the seven conditions without telling you these are the seven conditions, you'll be in agreement with all of them. So you are implementing them all. So the scholars, they say it's not about saying somebody, if they haven't memorized what the seven are there, that means you haven't got knowledge about La ilaha illallah and it's invalidated. No, you have got knowledge about those seven conditions and you're implementing it, practicing it. You just don't know the list of how to say those seven conditions or what the titles are. So it doesn't mean about a person knowing six and not knowing the seventh one. It's not about the list. As long as a person understands what the meanings of those are about submission, about truthfulness, about sincerity, and we're going to go through them all next week. When a person, inshallah, when a person understands all of those, then that is him implementing and practicing them all. Anybody else? Hmm. Responsive. Somebody was to say that Isa al-Islam was a Jew or Moses. Uh, sorry, yeah, he was a Jew and Moses al-Islam was a Jew. What's the response to that? All of the prophets and messengers, when they came, they came with the message of Tawheed, and the revelations they were given were revelations of Tawheed. So at the, sh- the time of Musa salam he was given the revelation, and within that revelation were the laws and the ahkam which were relevant to that time. Isa salam was given the revelation, the Injil, with laws that were relevant to that time. But all of their revelations were tawheed. They were all Muslims. You can say a person was a Jew or a Christian at that time or whatever, but the reality of what they were upon was tawheed. Not that a person can say, okay, well, if I am upon the absolute tawheed that Musa was on, then I'm going to stick to that and I'll be in paradise. Now, that doesn't work either. Even if you were upon the absolute tawheed of what Musa was upon and that sharia, because now you have to follow the sharia of Muhammad Wasallam. But titles that they would be considered as a Jew and he would be considered as a Christian and that's what the religion was at the time, and that's the revelation he was given at the time. You have to clarify to the people, your understanding of what a Jew is or what, what a Christian is, is not what the prophets and messengers ever taught you. Your understanding of what a Christian is now, is nothing to do with Isa salam. Even if you say the titles, okay, but the titles at that time, was it Christian? Regardless of the titles, the reality of what they were upon is Islam. They were upon Tawheed. They were not upon the shirk that you're upon now. Judaism now and the shirk that they are upon. It is not what Musa alayhi salam was upon. So the titles, even if they say, but at that time there was no such thing called uh, Muslims and Islam. 
they were Jews and Christians and those are their titles. Even if they talk about titles, the reality is that they were all upon Tawheed. And all the prophets and messengers were upon Tawheed. Not upon the Christianity and the Judaism of what they understand now. So uh, at the time, you know, the languages and everything like Isa alayhi salam spoke the, the Ibraniyyah. The language of, uh, uh, I don't know what they call it, maybe like a Hebrew type of language. Aramaic, Aramaic, that's the one. Spoke the language of Aramaic. And Musa alayhi salam spoke the language of his people, Ibrahim alayhi salam. They all spoke the languages of the time. That's why the scholars, they say in the Quran when it says, and Ibrahim said to his people, and then some ayahs, and Musa said to his people and some ayahs. They didn't actually say that to their people in Arabic. They said it to their people in their languages. This is what the scholars have mentioned. Because they all had different languages. There's only four prophets in the uh, 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 four prophets of their names that we know that were Arabs. Only four. All of the others were non-Arabs. So you know people talk about, but they were Jews, they were Christians. Yes, they were all different nations and cultures and where they came from at the time. But they were all upon Tawheed. In terms of Arabs, there were only four known from the Arabs. And they are, of course, well, firstly, obviously, Muhammad wasallam, And then, Hud is mentioned and Salih and Shu'ayb. They mention those as being from the Arabs, actual Arab. Then of course Ismail in the lineage and everything which comes. But they mention those four and that the others, they spoke in their languages. And when they say Ibrahim said to his people and Musa said to his people, that would have been in their own languages. So it's the same kind of argument. People say, oh yeah, but Isa alayhi salam, he wasn't Arab. And he, yeah, he wasn't. He was from the people who spoke Aramaic. And Musa alayhi salam, yes, he spoke his language. Ibrahim and Nuh. And, yes, they spoke the language. They, all those things. But ultimately, all of them are, as the Prophet said, Abna al-Allat. They are all sons of the same source. Meaning the source of Tawheed. So they were all upon this religion of Tawheed and calling to La ilaha illallah. Regardless of whatever title be on, but they were this and they were Jew and they were Christian. They were upon, they were muwahidun. They were people of Tawheed, every single one of them. Not like the people they believe now. Alright, we'll leave it up to there then. Inshallah, continue next week. Again, we'll try and be on time. Today wasn't my fault actually. Police blocked off roads and they uh, cut them off. Wasn't actually my fault. I left on time today. But inshallah, next week on time again.